We just heard the end of Mark's gospel, the story of that first Easter morning when those friends of Jesus, those women grieving his death, go to the tomb and find it empty. I'm going to offer you now a second reading for Easter from a contemporary source. It's from psychologist Miriam Greenspan, writing about her child Aaron, who was born with a brain injury from lack of oxygen in utero. He never left Children's Hospital in Boston. He died two months after he was born. Hear now his mother's words about the December day that she buried her baby. At the cemetery, we lowered his small casket into the cold ground and took turns shoveling earth over it, as is the custom in Jewish burials. We sang to Aaron the songs we'd made up for him while he was alive and that we recorded for him to hear when we weren't with him. Then softly, as though spoken in my ear, I heard these words. You are looking in the wrong place. My attention turned then from the casket in the ground to the cloudless blue sky. And I saw there what I can only describe as a magnificent radiance. The light of Aaron's blue eyes magnified and shining through the heavens. The communication was clearer than speech. It was Aaron reassuring me. He was saying, don't worry about me. I am all right. I was flooded with peace and remembered the phrase, the peace that passes understanding. I was awash in the pure joy of Aaron's presence. Those were the eyes of my child, my firstborn, in the most unlikely place where my child's body was laid to rest. I discovered the invincibility of spirit. Standing at the grave of her baby, Miriam Greenspan heard the words, you are looking in the wrong place. In the Gospel of Luke's version of the Easter story, those arriving at the empty tomb are asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? And they are told, he is not here. In both cases, Things are not as they appear. There's more going on here than meets the eye. It's Easter. And I wonder if you have a resurrection story. I think you know something about brokenness, pain, and loss. But what about new life? What do you know about that? Have you been able to sense it emerging, sometimes where you least expected it? Maybe you're still waiting for this. 
Maybe you've been waiting so long for it that you've given up hope. Or maybe it seems too risky to hope. So you've hardened your heart against that possibility. And yet, here you are. Here we are. Can we tell the truth that the walk to Easter, the way of transformation from brokenness toward healing and wholeness is a journey through the dark night, through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't get resurrection without death. And resurrection is not the same thing as resuscitation. You know, like what you see on those TV shows where people get brought back to life through medical means or miracles. Though she sensed her son's spirit, Miriam Greenspan's baby Aaron was still dead. Those women at the empty tomb didn't find the Jesus that they knew come back to life. Just a promise that they would sense him in the future that his spirit would be available to them. Resurrection is a mystery, a transformation and unexpected grace. A bishop was once asked, do you believe in the resurrection? And he responded, I've seen it too many times not to believe. Easter asks us to see and to affirm that death is not the end of the story. In a world that knows too much of death, Easter asks us to be seeking and expecting signs of new life. Maybe you're thinking this is all too much to hope for. Or maybe it feels too quick, this pivot from Good Friday to Easter. Many years it feels that way to me. The same way that I hope that spring will not finally explode in New England in the end of May or early June, but will come on slowly and gradually, will take its sweet time. And it does take time to live into the good news that we proclaim on Easter, the age-old proclamation that Christ is risen. From death to resurrection in three days sometimes just feels too fast. And if that's true for you, just remember today is just the beginning, the invitation to live into this expansive understanding that death does not have the last word. And if you are someone who says it's too much to hope, then I'm glad you're here. Maybe you need us, your companions, to help you hold hope for a while. I hope you can trust that in time it will return. Psalm 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The morning may take a long time to come, but it will come.
story we tell today is the central story of the Christian tradition. But the church and church people down through the ages have often focused more on the death and the suffering part than on the resurrection. Maybe it's easier to stay walled up in the tomb, to keep your expectations low where you know at least you won't be disappointed. But that is to deny the good news, the promise that death is not the end of the story, but rather it's the beginning. The beginning. And isn't this a universal story? Miriam Greenspan's experience with her son Aaron, isn't that also a resurrection story? She would tell you that she was among the least likely people to have such an experience. She writes, I was a secular humanist and a social activist, not a spiritual seeker or a true believer. And yet, her heart was broken open by the suffering and death of her baby And through that being broken open, she got to see that death is not the end. That we are all part of something larger, something beautiful. The song that James sang at the start of our worship this morning, and thank you, James, for that and for your beautiful singing here last night. Isn't O Freedom a resurrection song? And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. It asserts this hard-won faith born out of struggle and suffering that death is not the worst thing and is not the end. And isn't this our faith? Life calls us on. In my work, it's a privilege to lead memorial services and companion grieving families. And at the same time, I'm mindful that the real work of grieving is theirs. But this Lent... And this last month when we have been traveling this way of brokenness, this journey through the dark night, I have also felt the weight of death and loss and endings, disappointments and betrayals. Those of you who were here on Good Friday heard this plainly in the gospel account of Jesus' last day. And this is part of being human. A week ago, I was leading a memorial service here. And all of a sudden, kind of near the back, among all the mostly older faces of people here, this little infant face started bobbing up and down in this sea of people. And the sight of that bouncy little four-month-old whose mom 
was entertaining him by just lifting him up and he was just like a little cherub. This was such a balm to my soul. I told his mom afterwards, can I take him home? (laughs) Such a reminder that there is new life and new hope in our midst. I am so ready this year for Easter's invitation to turn toward the light. I have had enough of death for now. I want to simply sit under a blue sky, let the sun shine on my face, to hear the songs of birds as they flit around, anticipating spring and nest building and baby birds hatching. I want and need to be in that state of grace, that place of small blessings, that little melting of pain and sadness, that little resurrection of turning again back toward life and love and wings. Last Sunday at coffee hour, Judy Allen asked me, have you ever preached a sermon about letting go? Specifically about the letting go you have to do as you get older. I told her I thought I had, probably more than a few. But reflecting on her question, I realized, isn't this the invitation of Easter and of our lives to acknowledge the truth and the reality when something has ended, to acknowledge that reality and to grieve that loss, to learn to let it go so that you can turn back toward life. This can take a long time, and it needs the time that it takes, but this is practicing resurrection. And this is the invitation of these days and our calling to be Easter people, to be looking for signs of life, seeking the resurrection where we can, in the midst and mess of our days, in this beautiful and broken world. To be intentional and deliberate about this, Believing and trusting that if we seek, we will find. Trusting that love does abide. The Universalist minister David Bumbaugh says that our church is dedicated to the proposition that beneath all our diversity and behind all our differences, there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together in spite of time and death and the space between the stars. So let us pray that in our days we will be open to these holy mysteries, in touch with the ways the Spirit is alive and moving in our midst, trusting that we are part of a great love that will never let us go, affirming that we are Easter people 
and alleluia is our song. Amen.